What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Eastern Current. Got Cameron Pappas on here today. Going to pull him up here in just a second. But before we get going, I want to let y'all know about our sponsor for this episode. Um, in the past few episodes, it's First Class Glass. Um, they do some incredible, incredible fiberglass work. Um, taking you know old beat up boats and completely restoring them, making them look brand new. They can completely repaint and uh, restore your outboard motors. Uh, put new stringers in your boat. I've seen them do all kinds of stuff. Um, even just little you know maintenance, a little bit of fiberglass work, gel coat work, really anything you need to do um, with your boat structurally or um, just as far as how it looks, they can take care of it and they can do a great job. So that's first class glass. Definitely check them out. Uh, I also want to thank iStrike, huge supporter of the show. Um, just a great, great family over there. If you haven't fished iStrike jigs, then that's why you're not catching any fish. Um, also go check out our Facebook group, um, Eastern Current Fishing. Check out uh, my Instagram at Chudbrock Fishing. Cameron Pappas' is Blackbird underscore Guide Services. Um, check out the YouTube channel if you just listen to the podcast. And if you check out the, if you look at the YouTube channel, go listen to the podcast. And also, just want to ask for y'all to please, 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 we're really pushing hard to try to grow this podcast. I'm going to be investing a lot more time um, and some money again here shortly um, to just to really uh, boost this podcast. And so, um, I want to hopefully make this more a part of my business, um, going forward. And so one thing that y'all can do that really, really helps with that is just, uh, rating us on iTunes. That's, that really, really helps iTunes is where most people listen to podcasts. But, um, if you could go over to iTunes and just give us a rating, that would be, um, incredible. Also, um, if you do really like the podcast and you want extra content or you just want to help support us and say thank you, um, check out our Patreon page. It'll be linked in the show notes on the podcast platforms as well as on YouTube. Um, and that we're just really, really thankful. And we're, we're putting in um, weekly extra content on there um, and kind of deep diving into some stuff that we don't really share here um, on the main podcast and um, going a little bit more in detail. We're also going to start doing a little bit more map stuff over there, helping people um, kind of break down maps, not giving away spots by means, um, but, but really just kind of showing what's, what effective fishing areas look like. And we're going to be doing a lot of that over on Patreon. So definitely go check it out. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and bring on Mr. Cameron Pappas. What's up, dude? Not much. Um, finished yard work. <laughs> nice dude. It is a Saturday. It does not feel anything like a Saturday today. No. Um, you, uh, you've been, you've been turkey hunting lately, haven't you? A decent amount, not a not a ton ton. Um, so like I said, we have we have a baby on the way, so getting the baby room ready is one of the top priorities. Getting right your now. room ready for your little turkey. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Cheesy dad joke. Um, man, I'm stoked. What's the what's the date again? The due date? <clears throat> June sixth. June sixth. That's screaming on in here. Um, are you more nervous or excited or scared or what? Um, I think terrified slash excited is the best uh, way to describe it. That's me. how I still feel every day. <laughs> <laughs> I wake up terrified, I'll go to bed excited. <laughs> uh, well, sweet. Well, tonight we're going to talk about, um, I guess tonight you can listen to this podcast whenever. We're recording it at, uh, at 3.38, so it's not even nighttime. But um, on this podcast, we're going to talk about summertime trends. We're pushing into... You know, we're still having some colder um, evenings, but sooner than later, we're going to be into just full-blown, you know, spring patterns. And a lot of the fish are already on spring patterns. Um, I would say way more so than, or they're already on summer patterns, way more so than they are on spring patterns or or winter patterns. Um, you know, you still got some fish hanging behind a little bit, but the majority of the fish I've been catching have been doing more summertime stuff, and that's redfish, trout, um, lots of flounder starting to push in. So me and Cameron are going to kind of just share where, what, how um, we like to catch redfish, trout, and flounder um, throughout the summertime. So, and we're just going to focus on this podcast on inshore stuff. And um, we might do another podcast just like this, but talking about off the beach for maybe flounder and redfish, black drum. But, but yeah. So, um, I'm excited. I, I like I like when the fish break up and they're not in, in the big schools, and uh, I think it's more fun. What what time of year would you say you prefer, Cameron, as far as fishing goes for for redfish and trout and flounder? Um, <clears throat> I'd have to say probably fall is my favorite. Yeah, and just because like you get trout in really good numbers, and they're not generally not super hard to catch or hard to find, 
but then you also have, you know, schools of redfish are starting to kind of gain momentum in the marsh. Yeah. So it's fun to kind of be able to switch from less trout fish in the morning to when, you know, whenever the tide's right and the water's pretty clear because it's starting to get colder then, uh, and switch to fishing for redfish, you know, midday when the sun's higher. Heck yeah. Uh, so that's probably my favorite, but being a big, uh, topwater lover, it's, it's hard not to really like late spring and, and summer. Yeah, for sure, man. I think that's what's so fun is like you can always go guarantee yourself a couple topwater blowups from trout and redfish in the summertime. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, and in the spring, it's cool because it kind of lasts all, all day. It can last mm. all day if the fish are fired up. Um, don't yeah. get me wrong. Redfish will eat topwater in the middle of the day in the summer, but not nearly as much as they do in the spring. But um, it's always yeah. a fun way to start in the morning, in the yeah. summertime. Yeah, you're totally right. You're totally right. It, it is interesting. Though. I was thinking about that the other day, like, for someone who loves topwater so much, summer is still probably my favorite. But like you said, when you get on schools in the spring on a warmer day or it's been warm for a few days and they're fired up, man, you can catch them all day long on topwater. Yeah, you really can, man. It's uh, it's super fun. Yeah, it is fun. But it can be the best bait for sure. It can. Yeah, it 100% can. I had a day not too long ago where – um, it had been warm for a few days and we were fishing a school of redfish and kept throwing flies to him, kept throwing flies to him, just like would kind of follow it. Didn't really have a ton of interest. Um, and the other person on the boat, I w- was throwing, I think they were throwing cut shrimp, um, for it until they caught like two. And I was like, maybe we should, you should try a, uh, a top water. And they just started hammering it That's like awesome. every time. It landed on the water after about three seconds. Four or five of them were, were like, you know, coming up from the depths. You could see them swimming behind it. And so I got the the person who was fly fishing to throw in a gurgler, and like they just started game changer. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy how it how it can be like the. I always say this, but like the key to unlock their aggression sometimes. I know uh, yeah, something up on the surface, but well, <laughs> l- let's uh, let's. Let's talk about this. What would you say are the some of the main factors or the main factors uh, of fish's behavior changing um, from spring to summer? Not from winter to summer, but like from what we're seeing right now to like into June. What what what's the difference mm-hmm. in, in how fish are acting? And let's start with redfish. We'll kind of discuss that, then we'll move into trout and flounder. Uh, yeah. We'll start with redfish, though. No, I, well, I think it's pretty obvious uh, that they obviously start breaking up. Right. Yeah. And so they'll, those schools that were, you know, hundreds of fish might be 50 now or 25 and all those other fish are going somewhere. Right. Right. And I'd say for me, most of the time I almost, and I, I don't, I don't know if it's just from past experience, um, just having better luck, but I generally start to transition to like dirtier water. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I'd say, th- you know, throwing top waters early in the morning, um, looking for singles on shallow banks, uh, looking for fish blowing up, looking for fish pushing. But as far as behavior is concerned, I'd, I'd say the the biggest factor is just knowing that they're going to be more spread out at that point. Right. And not really looking all the time or so much in like those deep sloughs in the middle of creeks and stuff like that, but more so like on flats and up in the grass, fishing different tides, things of that nature. Yeah, for sure. I think that, uh, I think my favorite thing that changes about them is is their willingness to go shallower. Like Mm -hmm. even in the spring, I mean, they'll get shallow, but, but in the, in the summertime they'll, they'll push really, really shallow. There's just so much bait up really shallow in the summer. And so it pulls those fish in there. Um, <clears throat> I've already started to see fishing the Cape Fear River, um, you know, good amounts of, of, of fish shallow and doing their summer thing and tailing and belly crawling. And so uh, it just gets me fired up. Like I personally would rather go have a day of, you know, five to 10, 10 to 12. Speaking of a, like a half day. So you're fishing that low tide. So you get about three or four hours of quality fishing, um, you know, 10 to a dozen good shots at, at singles or small pods. Then, um, I'm, I'm realizing I'm leaving it on your camera and I'm sitting here talking. Um, so people are just looking at you, nod at me as I, as I talk. Um, then, then like a big school of redfish, the big school of redfish is super fun, but 
I mean, essentially it's fishing in a barrel. And so, um, as anglers and especially as anglers that probably listen to this podcast, you're listening to this podcast cause you want to become a better fisherman, a better angler. Mm-hmm. Um, or you think Cameron's cute, which I do. So, um, <laughs> but, but most of y'all are tuned in for, for the fishing, for getting better at fishing and, you know, pushing yourself to, to go look for single fish or, or go look for, you know, pods of cruising fish and stuff, as opposed to going and, you know, beating up an area, beating up a dock that you could sit on or, you know, going and, and, trying to hunt down fish is definitely going to make you a better angler way quicker, quicker, quicker. Is quicker a word? <laughs> quicker, <laughs> quicker, way quicker. Um, yeah. but you know, that being said, it is tough. And, and, and one thing that, you know, Cameron, you and I do a lot of polling and sight fishing for redfish. I don't think we realize how much we've learned and, and stored and remembered about like the tide and like how a fish is going to orient on something like, so there's so much stuff you start to take for granted, you know, mm-hmm. the more it gets stored in your head, it just seems like second nature. But, you know, you talk to someone that's never done it before and it's also foreign. And so it, it, the only way to really learn it, uh, I mean, you can listen to all the podcasts, you can watch all the videos, but you got to get out there and kind of experience it and fail and succeed and fail and succeed and fail and succeed. Um, and that's really all it is, is, it, you know, is the reason me and Cameron have learned to be um, somewhat successful on, on a majority of our red fishing trips is because of a lot of failures. So, um, understanding where to be and when to be there and when we need to get the heck out and when you need to leave the fish alone. But, um, that's a good point though. I mean, every time, every time you get fishing, I think you have to think about it. Like you're just getting a little bit better every time you go and, you know, you catch a fish somewhere that might be a spot that you come back to. And especially in the summer, because I feel like there's spots in the summer where you can throw top water, you know, all morning and have blow ups like, you know, every few casts. And there's spots that are just have year over year, at least for me, have like been just dead. Oh, yeah. And just knowing where those like hot spots are um, throughout the summer from past experiences is is super helpful. And there's just no way to to like gain that knowledge. Um unless you just start exploring and going out and, and launching top waters. Right. Right. But that's a good thing about like, um, the, the, those baits in general. So there's such good search baits and well, you know, even if it's middle of the day and that the previous morning you had blow ups in a similar spot or that same spot, it's, you know, obviously there's fish somewhere in that area. For sure. I think what a lot of people are, are there, you can, it's easy to be scared of failure. You know, you go out, you want to at least catch a redfish or a trout or something. Um, and so, so you fall into a pattern that has worked for you in the past of, you know, going and hitting, you know, this one cove or this one point or oyster bar where I know I can catch a redfish on top water. And then you kind of get sucked into that same pattern. You always run when you're on the water. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's good to have those days that you just go and check a bunch of new stuff. I mean, go and hit a bunch of new spots um, and, and even if you know, you can go catch them in one spot. That's all the more reason to go check another area. Like if you're truly desiring to become better and learn more, um, definitely hit your spots that you're catching fish at, but like pick a day, you know, every other trip, go out and spend half that time fishing stuff. You haven't fished before checking stuff. You haven't fished in a while or, or scouting or, you know, I, I, that, that's just so important. And, um, again, that kind of brings me back to the networking thing of like you, me and, Jeff and Michael, we can all kind of, we do that on a very large scale of like, all of us are constantly checking, you know, areas and talking to each other and, and mm-hmm. sharing Intel. And what did you see here? How were they acting? What were they doing? What color were they eating? You know, like, so you're, you're getting this broad, the large, the larger you can make your network, you know, and if you've got that, that information that you can share with someone else, then they're willing to share with you. You know, you don't want to just try to take, take, take from everybody, but it allows you to see more water every day than just your eyes can see but you've got to equally trade it back and forth between everybody um and have it with somebody that's not going to go burn your burn your butt so um (laughs) but but it just it's so important to constantly be checking stuff and trying new things or or just for me golly i beat this down people's throats all, all the time but it just gets so boring to just do the same thing it's like what's the point of just going out and catching you know, a redfish on top water and that one Creek every day of the summer. I mean, yes, it is fun, but maybe, 
for me, I want to just get better and, and do new things. I want to know every spot that I want to know every spot from Jacksonville to Oak Island that a redfish might hang out. Yeah, you know that's that's what what I want to know. Good, so that's a good goal. That's It'll never goal. happen. It won't even come close to it. But <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think you, you, it's a really good point and something I have definitely been guilty of. Um, is just like finding a spot, for, especially in summer. I feel like. Well, not even in summer, probably more so in the spring and stuff when they're, when schools are just kind of locked in one area. But in the summer, it's, it can be, it can definitely be tough to be like, I'm going to go fish, you know, four more miles, five more miles down that way at this, you know, area that I found on Google maps. Um, when I know that (laughs) I could go in there and catch, uh, fish on top water, you know, cause I caught them there you know, plenty of times, but that's the only way you're going to like have a big toolbox of places to go. Yeah, definitely. That's a good analogy. But. No, that's a perfect analogy. Man, you know what I was just thinking when you were saying that too, is like Elias, he's a guy in town. You obviously know Elias, but if you, if you haven't mm-hmm. checked out Elias, check out his YouTube channel, Elias be fishing. The dude crushes it. Um, and one reason he crushes it is because I think he's very fishy and he's a good angler, but two, he has every day to be in the water like a fishing guide, but he doesn't have the luxury of having new clients every day to where you could technically go fish the same stuff and they don't realize it. He's got the same people watching his videos. I mean, lots of new people watching his videos. So he's got to constantly, he's got the pressure to change it up, do things different. And and I think that's what that pressure, that pushing, pushing pressure is like what's, you know, what makes him such a good angler because he's got to constantly impress and, you know, he's making his living off his YouTube videos. And so put having that push to go do something different every day, go try something a little different, you know, f- thinking outside the box, doing things other people aren't doing, that's going to make you better. I mean, whether it take, whether it's really quick because you're super fishy and you just know what to do, like it just comes so naturally, like it does to some people. Or if you're like me, where there's a lot of failures until you finally click and, and kind of, you know, it becomes something that is part of your arsenal. Um but but I'm jealous of that because I can very easily like oh, I caught him real good in those two pockets yesterday. I'm feeling lazy. I don't feel like going and trying something new. I'm going to take my clients back to those two or three spots and catch the fish again, which does happen to me sometimes. I would say 50% of the time that's me, and then 50% of the time is I'm going to get out there and really you know go catch a couple fish in the spot I'm confident in, and then spend the rest of the day finding new fish. And I swear 75 to 80% of the time we find new fish and, and they're happier and it, you know, you come off the water feeling way more achieved that day than, than mm-hmm. when you go and just do the same old thing. So, yeah, there's no doubt. But, um, but yeah, I think, I mean, I don't know how, how you could apply that pressure like YouTube does to, to, to you to, to push it harder. But, uh, that dude does some outside of the box things like for trout, redfish yeah, and flounder. So even from like lures that he uses to the fish that he's fishing for to how he's fishing for them. Um, and he, yeah, like you said, he crushes it and his videos are super entertaining. Yeah. Super entertaining. Very straight to the point and, and super good. But he called a, uh, massive redfish today, like probably a 50 plus pounder. Holy moly. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I, that that's that's my I, I know I say that all the time is, but but I really want everyone that's tuning into this podcast, especially if you're tuning into every podcast, like get out there and and do what we're saying. Like, don't you don't have to like listen to any of the lure tips. But if there if I want anyone to take like one thing home, it's push yourself to go check new stuff, try new stuff. Don't become like stuck in the same little rut and same pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, so. But maybe we'll get off this tangent that we've been on for like 15 minutes and talk a little bit more about um, summertime patterns for fish. So we were talking about like the changes from spring to summer, and I would agree. You know, they start to break up. Fish are much more willing to go shallow. Um, you know, they're they're more aggressive. You don't have to be as finessey. You can land a cast closer to redfish, and this is just redfish. Um and I mean, you can have great days. I think your overall like chance at like a 20 plus fish day goes way down. Um, but you, your fish that you catch become way more, I think just way more interesting, like the, the scenarios and the shots you get and everything. So, um, you know, six, one half a dozen, the other, it's really what you, what you enjoy. But 
what, what are some of the lures that you like to throw in the summer um, for, for redfish? Yeah. Um, well, I think we got the top water covered. Yeah. Uh, so, but the top water for me, you kind of brought it up earlier is definitely like an early morning thing. Yeah. Um, because I don't know if it, it, it's gotta be like water temperature or something as it gets a little bit hotter. I feel like they get a little more lethargic mm-hmm. and don't really want to crush the top water. Um, but for like just blind casting, I really like a, uh, a popping cork with a voodoo shrimp on Heck it. Yeah. That's one uh, thing I don't, I don't fish enough anymore is popping cork, man. man it's an effective it, tool. It is a great tool. And there's something about watching a popping cork go underwater. That's, that's, uh, extremely satisfying. Yeah. Um, and then, I still get to enjoy that bait fishing. Don't get me yeah, wrong. Like I, I do like watching a cork go down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I use a decent amount of those redfish magics. Yeah. Um, and do you fish chatter baits at all or no? I can't remember if you like a chatter bait. Uh, no, I, the only time I've really used them, um, was in Louisiana, but, uh, I have like freaking 10 of them in my box and I just forget to throw them. I, that's not like a bait that I've used enough to be like, this is, this is going to crush them. I, I yeah. think you use them a bunch, don't you? I do like a chatterbait a lot, but I also, you know, in the scenarios where I'm throwing a search bait that's subsurface, I do really like a spinner bait because usually the tide's higher and you can get it up in the edge of the grass and bring it out mm-hmm. pretty easily. Or throw mm-hmm. it up into that flooded grass, which is pretty, which is nice. So, um, yeah. it is what it is, though. I think I think they're pretty similar. I mean, as far as creating vibration and a little shininess in the water, for sure. Um, and then, I, like if I'm sight fishing for fish, I, I'll generally throw like a paddle tail. Um, you got me. You got me into those um, those Texas eye mm-hmm. jigs with the paddle tails. You like the three eighth ounce? What do you like to throw? Yeah, three eight. Yeah, three eight. That thing's awesome. Yeah, it's a great bait, man. It, and it, you know what rigs on those so well too, which is a great summer bait. Is the is any of those those uh, Z Man full size creature baits? So like your bass mm-hmm. baits, you know your jig baits and whatnot for bass fishing, fits on that Texas eye so so well. Um, yep. the one thing about the Texas eye is you really want to fish a Z-Man bait on it because if you pull like a harder, denser plastic over that little bait keeper, it'll kind of rip it up a little bit. Uh, but mm-hmm. the Z-Man, I mean, dude, you could you can keep one Z-Man on a Texas eye for ever, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I've fished, I've had one, one bait that I fished for the last seven years on one Texas eye. Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that Texas eye is awesome. What color eye do you like? It just has such good movement, um, which I, in combination with like a paddle tail, I feel like it just looks so, so eatable. It looks so eatable. That's not a word either. But what was the um, word I made up earlier? I, I can't remember. It was bad. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of made up words on this show. There are. Um, I like jerk shads a lot for sight fishing. Yeah. Um. I especially like them if they're super shallow. Yeah, for sure. And then... What hook do you like to rig on? I put them on just... I actually like those, uh, the Ice Strike Trout Eye. Okay, cool. For those. It's like the little bit shorter one. Yep. Just because I'm not using like super big um, jerk shads. Or yeah, yeah. Like you like the little streaks one, the little short Z-Man ones, or, the, or like the normal size ones? I so usually when I'm throwing those jerk shots, it's the gulp one, which is like gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. It's like four inches, maybe. Exactly. Yeah, I think it's about that four sounds inches. About right. Um, um, and then I'll, I also really like those jerk shots if they're in the grass. Yeah, and then I'll just put those on a weedless little weedless hook, definitely. Yeah. Um, I'm excited for some tailing fishing, man. We're I, I think me and me and Cameron, you guys, me and Cameron and Jeff. And, um, my buddy Brennan, who's been helping me with some of these recent videos we've been putting out are going to try to go do like put on the calendar three or four days, different flood tides. Cause we never get to flood tide fish together anymore, but we're going to go and do like a very legit video of flood tide fishing, like, like a, a film almost, if you will, of, uh, maybe, you know, a little bit longer video, 30 minutes or so of, you know, North Carolina flood tide fishing and, 
what it means to all of us. So be tuned, be, be, be tuned in, uh, be tuned in. I can't talk tonight. <laughs> Just be on the lookout for it. It's going to, it's going to be coming probably the end of the summer. We're going to hopefully get get a bunch of content and, um, that should be pretty sweet, but, um, yeah, there, that's a great bait in the grass, man. Um, yeah. I was just watching some bass fishing up in, I'm going, I'm, I'm heading up to Weldon tomorrow, but I'm sp- going to spend an evening, uh, tomorrow evening bass fishing with my brother. He's up there fishing a tournament right now on Lake Gaston. And I was just stoked about that. So I was watching some, while my son was asleep a little bit while ago, some bass fishing on Lake Gaston and some dude was flipping jigs in the grass. It was like the middle of the summer mm-hmm. and, you know, all the fish seem to be on these main lake points and some grass. And I was just thinking about, you know, how much those redfish like to pull up in the, the edges of flooded grass in the summer. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that I want to try, I mean, I definitely catch a lot of fish in the edges of those flooded grass. Typically they're in like the backs of pockets or on points, um, when the tide's higher, but, but going through and like spending it, spending a high tide, just running spot to spot and hitting that kind of stuff. Cause I mean, Usually I'm working down a shoreline at a higher tide, not catching much. And then I, if I'm going to catch fish at that time, it's usually in that grass. And so I think that um, like a gold spoon for that or like flipping a jig in there, a uh, weedless jig on a Texas eye or something like that could be really effective. Um, but uh, I don't even know where we were, where that came from. But uh, uh, we were, Well, we were just talking about those jerk sheds in the grass. Yeah, and, that's what it was. Uh, yeah, I, th- those like barely kind of flooded little grass areas at higher tides in the summer just seem to be hot spots for sure. Um, for a handful of fish, and even if they're not in it, they're like right out in front of it. You know? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if they're sitting there facing in, waiting for bait to slide out of that grass or what, but um, it's it is it's a fun it's fun to catch them on the edge of that grass. It's it's a yeah. definitely a summer pattern. I mean, if you want to fish on a higher tide, you know, run around and find those areas like that and pick them apart. And those fish usually find it pretty quickly. Like if there's a fish in that grass, you'll, a lot of times you'll see the grass moving like five feet away, coming towards your spoon (laughs) or your jig and they'll come whack it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Should we transition to, do you want to talk about flounder and trout or do you want? Yeah, no, I think we should. I think we talk about redfish too much. I mean, I love catching redfish, but um, I want one more bait. I've talked about this on some other podcasts, but definitely everybody needs to start fishing. And I don't know why I'm pointing my pen at everybody like this. Like I'm a professor, <laughs> um, but crankbaits, man. Um, and my theory on crank, I'm not people have fished crankbaits for redfish for a long time. Square bills mostly because redfish like to hang out super shallow, but there's Elias sent me this yesterday. He's, he was like, man, you need to start thinking about crankbaits more. Um, this guy was fishing this guy in Florida, like this guide crushes redfish in like 15 to 18 feet of water on deep diving crankbaits. So like fishing them down jetties and, um, you know, contour lines and deep structure and whatnot. And these are those, you know, crankbaits with bills that are like this long. So you're pitching them way out there and cranking them real hard and fast. And I can only imagine how hard a redfish whacks a deep diver crankbait. So, um, (laughs) But square bills are just great baits for, you know, that two to three feet of water on a higher tide, just a really good search bait. Um, so, so that's a bait that you should definitely, um, pick up a couple of wake baits type of top water. Um, but yeah, let's transition into, let's move into flounder and then we'll talk about trout. But, um, okay. what I, I guess the big thing is flounder aren't really here that much in the winter. So they're starting to show up. What are some of the first areas you find flounder? um, this time of year, you know, moving into summer? Um, I'd say it's similar to where those, where the redfish are in the spring. Yeah. Like for pockets in the marsh. Um, it's funny how everything like falls into the same area, the bait, the redfish, the flounder, there's no coincidence there. I mean, they're, yeah, no, there's definitely not. Um, I don't generally like, I'm by no means like a flounder expert, but, I feel like the times that I always catch them is in creek mouths. Yeah. Um, especially later in the summer, uh, on like a falling tide, you know, when they're, the, the water's moving through there pretty good and it's pushing all the bait out and just letting, uh, throwing like a paddle tail up there and bouncing it up and down. Um, it's generally when I get like the most flounder bites, but 
something that I haven't tapped into, man, that I've been wanting to, I guess I need a bay boat to do it, but is the, is the near shore flounder. Yeah. The near shore flounder fishing is super fun. It's like what, what month is that's just all summer. Yeah. And, and you can, you can all winter too. You can run 15 miles off and catch flounder in the winter time. Um, but there's, you're starting to catch them near shore there's fish definitely on those on those structures i mean i'm starting i've been blown away the past two weeks at how many flounder i've been spooking pulling around for redfish yeah Um, i know you've probably seen it too i mean and some good ones as well Um, so there's fish in shore there's fish on those near shore wrecks um, Mm -hmm. and and whatnot but yeah i'm with you i mean flounder it's like the cool thing about flounder is you're like where do flounder live and there's definitely like pinpoint areas and things that they like but they they can take they can make anything home like so you can catch them in a lot of places yeah like everyone catches flounder off their dock and everyone catches flounder at creek mouths and under dock i mean they they live everywhere yeah they definitely do um there's no doubt but i definitely think that there's certain things that you can look for for um whether that be like structure like docks like pitching up you know, on dock pilings, trying to get in the little pocket behind the dock piling, um, or, or in, you know, the deeper channels and and creeks, but I say deeper channels, but I also feel like, like you said, when I'm pulling, I see them spooking out of like, well, you you got to think two feet of water, they're ambush predators. They're waiting for something to swim by. So if they sit in shallower water, if there's bait in shallower water, they're way closer to it. Yeah, um, that's true. And so, like lower light scenarios, you'll find those flounder a lot more flounder up shallow. Like, I, that's when I'll catch flounder in the summer on top water. Is like, mm-hmm. when, you know, I'll have guys just throw it over at low tide in the morning. It'll be like, you know, the plenty of areas where there's just like a long shallow flat, way too shallow for like redfish to be on it without you obviously seeing them. It might be four, five, six, seven, eight inches deep. But the mm-hmm. flounder love getting up on those like points of islands and bays or anything like that that's really shallow and spread out. Because um, and, and some mornings, I mean, I remember there was a couple of weeks last year where we had like just straight, straight calm weather every morning, and I'd be pulling yeah. in some of these areas where I was red fishing and up on all the shallow stuff, it was like blow up, blow up, blow up. You know, just flounder crushing mullet everywhere in like five <laughs> inches of water. Um, but they, they, I mean, flounder just want to be around structure structures a lot of different things docks you know like fully submerged structure to fully you know uh or stuff that's out of the water and into the water um all man-made stuff but then also like i'm also considering structure like oyster bars points um you know like oysters and creek mouths like they, they just want to be around anything that's anything that could hold bait the flounder will be around because mm-hmm. they're not mm-hmm. swimming to make a living you know they're laying still to make a living so they want to put themselves in an area that you know fish are probably going or bait fish are probably going to be in you know i I, I think with flounder sorry what were you gonna say i I was just gonna say i kind of think about them similar to trout as far as the type of stuff that you're looking for but maybe (laughs) trout can definitely sit pretty deep and be happy um and i feel like the flounder like you were saying might instead of being you know three feet or four feet off the bank and a little bit deeper stuff, they might be a foot off the bank or a foot and a half right. off the bank just because if there's a gradual incline, then they're going to be up there a little bit shallower. But that same type of, you know, current bait getting washed by points, creek mouths, structure. Yeah, I agree. It's uh, it, it's all can be effective. So I think in that regard, it's almost more important to talk about like tactics like you know go fish stuff that looks fishy you know one like one thing that i I was telling this client the other day who's got kayaks to fish i was like dude i wouldn't even worry in the summer about going and fishing the marsh it's gonna be way harder for you to figure out the marsh he wants to fish at topsail south topsail i was like just go put the kayak in and you can paddle under everyone's dock just fish every single dock you know make 15 casts on each dock move to the next one like every little angle you can pick apart I guarantee you that you will catch redfish and tr- and flounder every single trip if you go do that. Like, you yeah. know that that structure, all those fish will hang out on it. Um, and and a lot of it you can't hit from a boat because you can't get up in there and hit those different little angles. Um, what what was I? What did that come from? What did you say first? Uh, well, you, <laughs> you were talking about um, one of your clients that has a kayak and just the fact that he can just fish docks and topsail. 
Yeah. And crush the redfish and flounder. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. That's right. Um, get under them. Yeah. I mean, just that, that's the cool thing about flounder. But I guess let's talk about what what we like to throw for them and, and mm-hmm. kind of how we like to retrieve it. I'll go first because I'm super simple and short with flounder. I really don't get that. Uh, if I'm if I'm just trying to catch flounder, I'm gonna fish. I like an exposed jig, just because of the way those fish eat and it can be a little tough. I've definitely called them on Texas eyes. I've definitely called them on um, you know other styles of hooks. But like I usually typically like a redfish eye, varying weight depending upon like the amount of tide and depth that I'm in um, and current. Uh, but I like the longer white. Um, I forget what the bait's called. It's a Z-Man. And it looks like it's going to be a fluke or a jerk bait, like a, a soft plastic jerk bait, but then it's got a small paddle tail on the end. It's kind of a long, skinny paddle tail. Um, I, I think they're five inches fun. long. And I like to rig those on a jig head and just keep them constantly moving across the bottom. I don't really mm-hmm. stop it much. I'm just throwing to every little point and little pocket and you know wherever I'm fishing and just twitch, 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 just kind of keeping it on the bottom but moving it back to the boat pretty quick. That's what's so fun about a flounder is like you can really aggressively fish for them in shallow water. Like you can move through an area really quick and, and get a lot of bites. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my go-to. I mean, you could definitely vary color, but I think a white five-inch you know paddle tail is a great way to to find those fish. They're aggressive. They, they key in on white pretty well. Um, you have any colors that that you like? I'm gonna look, while you're talking. I'm gonna look this bait up so I can share with people what it is. Yeah. Um... I, I feel like my the main color that I use is probably white. Uh-huh. Um, I like chartreuse and what other colors that I've used. I think those are the main two that I've probably used the most, um, especially just in dirtier water. And um, I, I'm similar, just like a jig head with a longer paddle tail on it. I, yeah. I generally like paddle tails more just because – that just because of a little more action for sure. Uh, and then I like to really bounce, like depending on what your water depth is, uh-huh. like it, I think you can on the shallow stuff, you can fish it quicker, but on the, once it gets a little bit deeper, I like to bump it up and down because I feel like if a flounder's laying here, can you see my hands? Yep. There's laying here and you bump it here and it stops and then you bump it again. You're kind of in his strike zone for a little bit longer yeah. if it's falling down right here. But if you're just reeling it straight across him, he might not react to it just because it's he doesn't really have the time. But I, I don't sure. know if there's any science behind that, but or, or that's just my personal opinion. But I feel like if he can see it coming for a little bit longer, then he might set up on it and then as it's kind of drifting down, attack it. No, I agree. I think one thing that's so important to think about, it's so first off, it's the Z-Man Synod Paddlers. Um is the it's the one with the longer tail and it's like a jointed body too. So there's like some little kinks in the um in the body, but I think one thing that's really important to think about that this is something that I kind of subconsciously do but forget to explain um why or or I don't think I've ever even really talked about this on the podcast, but being that a flounder is laying on the bottom waiting in ambush to eat a bait. I'm, I'm letting people stare at you while I talk again. Um, <laughs> you really got to think about the angle in which you target a bank. Not that a flounder won't spin around or chase something down, but you know they're waiting for that perfect meal. There's a lot of bait that swims over a flounder. They're waiting for that one that's at the right angle that they can see, they can kind of set up for and eat it. So, um, you know, wait. the way I kind of think about it is like the, the factors are how is the current moving through here? You know, mm. where is a flounder going to sit? What's going to be the most optimal position for a flounder to get a lot of shots at eating? Um, so that would be like, you know, off the corner of a creek mouth where the current's kind of sweeping over and he's sitting there right on that current line. They can sit in heavy current because they just lay flat on the bottom. They don't have to fight it. They can just kind of suction down to the bottom. Um, and so kind of working that bait towards where you think that fish is going to be. I don't like to throw it where I think the bait's going to be like coming from behind the flounder out into out into the front of it. I think they'll eat it like that, but they're sitting there looking forward, looking for that bait that's going to be coming towards them in the current or swimming by. And so, you know, I think when you get non-current areas, like on big flats and stuff like that, that's less of a factor. 
Um, but pay attention to which way the bait's going to, because the, the you know usually when you're in a creek, the majority of the bait's swimming one direction, unless it's like low tide and they're all kind of pulled up in the back. But mm-hmm. um, work your bait the same way, the same direction is is pretty key. Um, not that you won't get bit otherwise, but but I think that definitely kind of helps you. Um, you know, I think I think a lot of times, especially if our flounder fishery was where it was supposed to be, you know, you'd have you'd be going a flounder would see most of your casts. <laughs> You know what I mean? Because they, they live in so many different areas. But um, it felt like a flounder saw most of my cast before flounder season last year. And then they just got freaking pillaged, man. <laughs> um, no, those, I, th- I think those are all great points. Should we uh, move to trout? Do you got anything else about flounder? No, not that I can think of. Um, I, there was one. I, I swear you told me a long time ago. That's... Uh, you knew someone that had caught in some like monster flounder, and he said that every massive flounder he's ever caught has been in like dead still water, shallow dead still water, or was it? No, just it was just it was just stupid shallow water. Okay, that's um, what. It- and he's like, I knew I was ca- gonna catch them. Like I knew it was the right day to be there, and it was the right. So it sounds like it's one area maybe or one's little zone. But it was all apparently under a foot of water. So, gotcha. okay. um, and so I, I catch further, bigger. Sorry, what were you saying? I was just going to say, I guess that's furthering your point, though, of being, you know, closer up on the banks. Um, when, when you're pulling, you're seeing them, you know, in a foot of water. For sure. So it's uh, that I've learned a lot about where flounder like to sit and, and how shallow they like to sit because of pulling for looking for redfish. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I mean, I, if I, in the summertime, clients would get annoyed if I said how many flounder we've spooked. You know, like, oh, there goes another flounder. There goes another flounder. There goes another flounder. I mean, it would be all day long. <laughs> right. um, and then, so when I started, like, really enjoying targeting them, I was like, all right, think back. Like, what are some of the banks that you spooked a ton of flounder <laughs> off of? <laughs> right. uh, like, I had one trip where the guy got on the boat. He's like, man, I just really want to catch flounder. It was like, this was maybe three years ago. And it was the first time I ever had anyone say that. And yeah. I was like, shoot. <laughs> Cause I never really target targeted flounder in shore before that. I mean, I would, you know, at a Creek mouth stake out, let somebody cast a bunch, like, you know, if it was a slower day. And so right. we went out just on the trolling motor, me and him, both him on the front, me on the back with white paddle tails, just like beating up these banks that I'd seen him and freaking smoked them and caught some big ones. And I was like, that is so fun. It's fun to blind cast areas that you think are going to be productive. Like when a flounder is yeah. like a very rewarding fish to where, you know, it's not like a trout where you find them in a school and they're kind of sitting there. You can catch a bunch. It's like these bigger flounder, they're sitting in primary spots. And so like when you kind of work an area and you like, you get that feeling like, Oh, I bet there's one on, there's gotta be one off this point. You make like one, two casts, miss them. And then you, you're working it and whack. And then you catch them. Like, dude, that's the coolest thing about a flounder is that bite shallow is so, yeah. it's like, it's like it just, they just pound it so hard. Yeah. Unfortunately, they can't fight well in shallow water, but that's why a lot of people always think they don't have a fish. So, like, I think I got an oyster shell until right when it gets under the boat, and it's like, meow, yeah. Meow, meow. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's they're fun to just go out and just target them in shallow water, and a skiff is a really great boat to do it from because it's yeah, so they, small and nimble. Yeah, they are super fun fish to catch, but I, I'd say similar to you, hasn't like been. Uh, a fish I have really targeted probably up until the last maybe two years. Yeah. Um, but it's I, it's just one of those things. It's fun to learn something new, and you know, you'd always if you're if you're fishing for redfish, you're always going to catch them. Right? right. Yeah, definitely. Um, but like to specifically go out and target them has been really fun. Well, it just do. adds more to your day too. It's like all right, yeah. the tide sucks for sight fishing for redfish now. Like let's just go try to catch some flounder. Yeah. And you don't have to keep flounder. Like just because the season's closed, they're still super fun to catch. The reward is making the right cast with the right bait into the right area and getting a bite from the desired fish. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the reward isn't cooking that fish for dinner. You know, that that can't, that's part of the reward. But like, there's so much more to it than like having to throw a flounder in your cooler and take it home and eat it. Um, and the reward's not how hard the fish fights. You know, it's it's about doing the right thing in the right place at the right time. That's what yeah. gets me fired up. So. Yeah. Uh, I do like bigger fish, but <laughs> that being said, Who doesn't? Who doesn't? Uh, well, let's talk about trout. Okay. 
Um, you want me to go first? You want to go first? Um, I'll go first. Okay, cool. I'd, I'd say summertime trout isn't um, – I don't do it a ton, but I have definitely gotten into it more recently. And definitely for me, the most success I've had has always been in brackish water. Yeah. Um, not definitely not the super salty stuff for me. Yeah, I agree. I'm not not saying that they're not there, but it's just the the experiences I've had and the lot of searching that I've done has always been a little bit better there. And also, I think um, probably more of an early morning thing from just from what I can tell. Um, throwing smaller spooks in the morning to popping corks with shrimp or littler, maybe not so much literal, but just like three or four inch paddle tails. Yeah, definitely. Um, and probably white. I feel like I use white a ton in brackish water. Just cause. Yeah. It gets seen so well. And it also kind of yeah. gets a little tan looking to it. It kind of takes that color of the water zone. Yeah. Yeah. That stuff is, uh, that the color change is really interesting. If, if anyone listening hasn't ever like heard of that or, looked at like that graph it is pretty wild yeah like what those colors do underwater i mean there's some that just like completely disappear right right <laughs> um so that, that i'm sure all the if there's bass fishermen listening they've they know what we're talking about oh yeah definitely definitely it's uh, uh it, it is crazy i think red's one of those colors that like after like 30 feet it you just like if you dropped a completely red paddle tail 30 feet down like you ain't gonna see it it would be gone yeah be gone. um but yeah, trout, dude, trout fishing for me in the summer, it, I'll get on bites where I'm like throwing a jig, but honestly, like jerk baits and top mm-hmm. water and mostly top water and mostly in the morning. Like I've got areas along some of our coastal rivers that will fish that, that I can just always go get some bites and usually like some quality, like 18 to 23, 24, 25 inch fish. Um, not always 25 inch fish, but like always something in, in that range, you know, um, and I could probably run those patterns and, and catch a few more fish throughout the day, but, but it's, you know, it seems like you get out there early in the morning, you can catch a couple nice trout on top water and then kind of move on with your day. So like, I like the, I like moving water, but like you said, in those brackish estuaries and the coastal rivers, I'm definitely doing better. So like new river area, um, and out to like Cape Fear river down to, um, little river, um, Lockwood Folly, all that stuff is great summertime trout fishing. And topwater is just a great bait, man. Those fish are looking up. They like to eat up, and um, they're just a fun fish to catch on topwater. Uh, yeah. And and you can go back and catch them in all those areas you catch them in the fall. Like, they're sitting there for a reason. Um, they're just way less numbers, so you got to cover a lot more ground and, um, and you know, fish a f- fish thoroughly and, and with some confidence because you will get bit, but you just got to kind of cover the cover some ground. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I think that's you, it, that's it for me on trout. Like, there's not much to it for me in the summer. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. As far as top waters, though, which one? Which one do you prefer? I like a one knocker in the summer for almost everything. Oh, um, you the so the one knocker is one knocker is like a medium big. sized. It's not a spook junior. It's not a full size spook. Um, it's right in between there. It's like this, uh, maybe a little bit longer than a full, like the big skitter walk. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I, I just am a big fan of the head and lures and also wake baits. I, ca- I caught a lot of trout on wake baits this past summer um, on okay. the calmer days, just real subtle um, V's on the surface. And um, there, I mean, there's a lot of trout to be caught in the summer. You, you just got to change your tactics up and you got to really know when to be there. And I would say, Top water in the morning around structure in three to six feet of water, two to six yeah. feet of water. Uh, and, and not necessarily docks, maybe big, large docks or piers, um, but like rock piles, oyster bars, um, you know, big, big hunks of structure that are kind of breaking up the current and whatnot um, mm-hmm. is where I have most of my luck. So, yeah, yeah, that's 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 pretty much it for the trout for me. I mean, I truly. I, I catch trout every week of the summer. I don't fish them, fish for them in every trip, but it's almost always on top water in the summertime. So, um, 
it's nice to ha- have a topwater rigged up and, and go catch a couple of trout to start the morning off. Yeah. Um, can you think of anything else we missed on any of the fish? I mean, we, I'm sure we missed a lot on a lot of fish, but yeah. uh, uh, I'm sure we did. Uh, I'd just say if like if it's middle of the day and it's not a weekend, um, I feel like you know if you want to switch it up, just go fish for some sheepset. Yeah, that's a very that's true. Like another awesome fish to go fish for in the summer. I mean, there's not a ton to it as far as like what you need and you know what to look for you just got to try a bunch of different structure but um that's something that's like been super fun to me the past few years and 100 just one of those things you can you can learn about if you hadn't done it before yeah i agree 100 percent. one a fish that i would tell you to go try to catch is um puffer fish <laughs> <laughs> um not really no, sheep's, sheep's head are super fun, and that is it's a great fish to eat. It's a fun fish to target, and if you come up with a great way to keep your flat skiff from getting destroyed by the oysters on the pilings, <laughs> please let me know. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, I think that's it. You guys, if y'all want to try some of this fishing, uh, hit up Cameron, hit up myself. Uh, we'd love to get a trip booked and take y'all out there. Uh, if you've got any questions, feel free to hit either of us up. Um, I'm going to switch over to Cameron's screen. Here's his name, Blackbird Guide Services. You can also look up Blackbird Guide Services uh, on Instagram. I mean, online, blackbirdguideservices.com. Captain Judson Brock, Judd Brock Fishing, Eastern Angling, all that garbage. Um, but yeah, we'd love to get you out there, do some fishing. Um, again, we'll, you know, me and Cameron are going to do a lot of these podcasts throughout the summer and some video stuff so stay tuned you guys thanks for checking out this episode cameron you got any uh words of wisdom you want to leave them with that have nothing to do with fishing uh pray for me so that i get some sleep come june oh come june <laughs> i was like <laughs> thought you were talking about right now so cameron's words of wisdom to y'all are pray for him <laughs> we'll see you on the next episode don't actually do that <laughs> <laughs>